Amen. Let the church say amen. Amen. Thank you to Joseph and to Tyler and to Chantel and to Shelby, uh, to Nathan and Zandy, the Setup and Teardown team, to all of you who have been praying, uh, and to all of you here today uh, for leading us to this point in our worship experience. Uh, I want to highlight just quickly before we dive into the, the scripture um, that we have been blessed the last three weeks uh, by Marcus and Tempest Anderson. Uh, as you know, we are, uh, we are in the midst of finding my replacement, amen? Uh, and I believe that God is working in the midst. Uh, and I'm so thankful uh, that God sent Marcus and Tempest to deliver a word for our church. Uh, irrespective of the process, they blessed us, didn't they? Didn't God use them to bless this church? Amen. We indeed are VIPs. Uh, the truth of the matter is, is that I am excited uh, in this season, in this interim season, if you please, uh, that we'll have the opportunity to hear lots of different voices and to hear how God speaks through different voices to God's people. And I'm excited today um, because we are entering a new series. Uh, the series is simply entitled, Belongs to God. Belongs to God. In this series, we are going to uh, abstractly explore what it means for us to belong to God and what it means for us to be reconciled to God and each other. Uh, we have a word this morning. Uh, if I had to title this, uh, I would title it Drink Up. Uh, and this word is based on uh, a sermon that I preached many moons ago um, that I feel called to preach this week uh, in anticipation of next week's sermon. Uh, our scripture reading this morning will predominantly be from John chapter 4, verses 6 through 30. Um, but as a teaser, we're also going to read Exodus chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Uh, we'll start with the Exodus passage, uh, and then we'll turn to the gospel. Um, why don't we stand uh, in reverence of God's word? If you are able, uh, if you're in a position, if you're, then you're able why don't we stand for the reading of God's word? I'll acknowledge the reading this morning is relatively long, so if you need to, if you need to sit down, uh, that's okay. Um, but there is something about standing and, and, and having a different posture uh, as we look at the scripture. Exodus chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, What I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. He sat down by a well. Turning now to John chapter 4, Verses 6 through 30. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, Ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria, for Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. 
Jesus answered her, oh, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, oh, you're right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem, is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is here now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then the disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of town and were coming to him. The word of God. And if we can for a moment just reread verses 28 and 29. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Let us pray. God, this morning, I pray that you would meet us at the well and that you would show us in a new way how you saved us and transformed us. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. In your name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So there's a, an old riddle that gets people thinking. I'm sure you've heard it before. You're trapped on a deserted island in the middle of an ocean, and you can only bring three things. What would they be? What would your things be? The answer to that question can tell you a lot. Do you have your answer in mind? Ah, someone said, a bathing suit, some earplugs, and a good book. 
All that person heard was island. Some mace, a gun, and some running shoes. That's someone who doesn't think the island's going to be deserted. Oh, just my spouse. That person's either really happily married or always wants to make sure that their spouse shares in their misery. Some soap, a toothbrush, a nice dress. Someone's been watching too many movies and expects Denzel Washington to show up. <laughs> or maybe it's my Bible, my anointing oil, and my cross. Ah, the devil is a liar. It might be deserted, but by the time I'm done, this whole island is going to be saved. <laughs> or, or someone says, I'm bringing a yacht, and I'll figure out the rest later. <laughs> that's, a, that's a practical person. Uh, a, a food, a tent, and a survival kit. Can we say a camper? You know what's funny, though? Very few people say water because it's an island. And one thing that you can see on an island is an abundance of water. And so many think they don't need water. Now, I'll admit I've never been to a deserted island, but I have been a place where the opposite is true. Uh, almost 20 years ago now, in a village called Mampondo in Sangita Township in Tanzania, East Africa, uh, at the time, getting water wasn't easy, it was hard. Uh, and for whatever reason, uh, getting water there was mostly done by the women. Uh, and so the ladies there had a good laugh at me when uh, me and a couple of other folks uh, tried to help carry some water. So I tried to take that bucket, pump and fill it up, lift the, the bucket onto my head. My neck wasn't strong enough. I spilled all the water on the ground and everybody laughed. And it's interesting, there's few sights to me as amazing uh, as these ladies dressed in, in colorful kengas carrying buckets on their head as they walk uh, to provide water for their families. And I remember on the day that I walked, I couldn't quite keep up. I couldn't do it. I had to carry the buckets. I couldn't put it on my head. Uh, and, and it was interesting as we walked and talked as they walked for an hour or two hours. In this case, walking for miles with the water. Now, if you are, in this case, building a school for your community and you have to walk uh, several miles to get water so that you can make bricks to build the, the school instead of simply turning on the tap, you begin to notice the importance of water and, and you begin to understand the importance of having a good well of having a wellspring where you can get water from what is necessary for life you can go weeks without food but you can only go days without water uh, the Samaritan woman in our text today can relate to uh, the Tanzanian woman that I knew walking for water uh, she likely went to the well every day to fetch water, a heavy and difficult task. She pulled up, up to the well, she pumped the water, the well was deep, so they had to go very far down to get the water and bring it back to their household every day. But indeed, this was an old well, it was Jacob's well, it was a well that exists literally to this day, and... Indeed, it was a well that was named in some senses after one of the patriarchs who was known for wrestling with God and having his very identity changed from a serper to one who wrestles with God. 
So the Samaritan woman went to the well all the time. She went to the well day after day after day. It became like second nature, it became part of herself and it was part of her history. Going to the well to fetch water was part of who she was. And she was the one going to the well, this very difficult physical task. Not her husband, not her son, not her man friend. It was her who went. At a time when no one else was going, she went at, at, at noon, if you please. She went in the middle of the day, in the middle of the desert. She went to a well in the middle of the day, in the middle of the desert, because she probably knew that nobody goes to a well in the middle of the day, in the middle of a desert. You go in the morning or the evening, because if you go in the middle of the day, it's hot. And if it's hot, you don't want to be there. So maybe she was going to the well. Because there was something about being alone that was what was necessary for her. She was going to the well at that time because though she had to go to the well, she did not want to encounter people at the well. It was normal. It was meant to be in hiding. And it was her reality day after day after day. Oh, she probably couldn't imagine anything different. But then one day... Because Jesus traveled a long journey and was tired, just like Moses many years before. He sat at the well, weary to get some rest. Every once in a while, our normalcy, our routine can give way to an encounter with Jesus. An encounter that in minutes, we read the whole story this morning, that in minutes can change your entire life and your entire situation. An encounter that can change your definition of Normalcy, and that is the encounter that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman at the well. And it's an encounter that we can anticipate having every time we step into Victory Church, or every time we step into our prayer closet, or every time we have a conversation with our neighbor. Indeed, Jesus Christ can be in that conversation, and we can have a well experience. So what made this conversation special? How did Jesus transform the life of the Samaritan woman? Let's break it down. The first thing that Jesus did was acknowledge her. I see you. Give me a drink, he said in verse 7. Oh, he said, give me a drink. But what he really said is, I see you. I will talk to you, and I am willing to know you. You lady who are here because you want to remain in hiding, I see you, and I'm willing to talk to you. Yeah, no, no, I'm a man, and I wouldn't usually initiate this conversation with a lady in this culture, but I see you, and I know you, and I want to talk to you. Oh, I'm a Jew, and you're a Samaritan. Uh, uh, we're, we're on the dividing walls of hostility, if you please. Uh, but I see you, and I know you, and I'm going to talk to you. Oh, I am a, a perfect God, God might be saying right now, and you are not perfect, but I see you, and I know you, and I'm going to say that I will talk to you. The very thing that Christ said to the woman of the well, he says to us, Despite the walls of hostility that might divide us from him and from each other, we can see that God sees us 
and is willing to talk to us, is willing to say, give me a drink. When the woman realizes that there is someone who can see beyond the wound that keeps her in hiding, the truth of her brokenness and is willing to say, give me a drink. When she sees that, she asks a second question. The second thing this woman asks is, are you greater than my history? When Jesus says, I can provide you living water, the Samaritan answers, oh, really? Are you greater than Jacob, my ancestor, and all that he had to go through to dig this well? Are you greater than my history, where I come from, what defines perhaps my language and the way I walk and the color of my skin and the way I view the world? Are you greater than the history that is piled on for generation after generation and I need to hold on to? Or to put it another way, are you greater than my family line? I come from a line of kings and dukes. Or to put it yet another way, are you greater than my family history? I come from a line of thieves and drug dealers. Jesus, can you handle my past? Jesus, can you handle my past, my expectations and the shame? Jesus, you're talking to me about living water, but you can't even handle my history. Jesus' answer to the women and to us is very clear. Bigger and greater than your history. Oh, in fact, if you only recognize, you'd be asking me for a drink, and I'd give you living water. So the woman goes on and asks a third question. What are you going to do, Jesus? How are you going to help me? You're going to give me water, but you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Jesus, are you greater than my circumstance? Are you greater than my circumstance? Can you draw water from a well with no bucket? And why should I trust you when the circumstance looks bleak? And I don't see that you have a solution. If we were honest, we'd say that the Samaritan woman is asking a legitimate question. And Jesus' answer says, you are looking at this the wrong way. You're still talking about the well and water and being thirsty. What I'm talking about is giving you something that has nothing to do with drawing water from an old well. And when the Samaritan woman realizes this, she says, Sir, give me water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. And indeed, this is the fourth question she asks. She asks for this water. And she thinks she's asking for this water so that she can stop coming to this well. A well she comes to every day in the oppressive heat of the desert. And so Jesus starts to give her the water. But it's not what she expects. 
because he asked her a question seemingly out of nowhere. Go call your husband and come back. Huh? And I can imagine for a moment with my sanctified imagination, the woman looking at Jesus and there's a twinkle of fear in her eye in just this moment that she quickly hides. She recovers her composure and says, I have no husband. Why is Jesus asking this? Why is he picking at this place, at the very reason perhaps that I'm coming to the well in the middle of the desert. Well, technically you're correct, Jesus says, because you've had five and the one you have is not your husband. And then I imagine that she sees for a moment, <laughs> that this moment uh, uh, where somebody meets her at the well, uh, and, and says, what are you doing? In this moment, she realizes that if Jesus is with her, she can get beyond this thing, that it no longer needs to separate her from God and her community anymore. And by speaking to her situation, Jesus is starting to remove a thirst that I suspect this woman barely acknowledges. She thought she was getting water, but instead Jesus is in a very real sense giving her living water, an encounter with Christ that would refresh her. That thing that she went to the well with, that what I'm calling wound or woundedness, that she structures her life and history around to hide Jesus begins to pour living water, to pour libations onto that wound in this very moment. And she discovers in this moment healing. That which she was holding and hiding onto, Jesus already knew. Even when she didn't know it, even when it was wrapped up in Jacob's well and in her history and being embracing the idea that I just like to sweat. I like to come to the to the well in the middle of the desert at noon. Even in that, she began to be healed because she recognized that Jesus knew it and Jesus accepted it. And so she begins to ask new questions. She asks a religious question. Where am I supposed to worship and it's a really important question for her religion. In fact, it is one of the main reasons that Jews and Samaritans are different. One says that I'm supposed to worship on Gershom. The other says I'm supposed to worship in Jerusalem. And indeed, because we sometimes operate in our truth through our religion, indeed, it's an important question. And Jesus once again switches the question. He switches the question, the question that seemed to be, and again, a dividing wall of hostility for Jews and Samaritans, it's exactly that. Jesus says, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Yes, 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 right? Uh, we have a difference here, but I want to tell you uh, that though perhaps uh, the, the history here was going through the Jews, there is a time coming, and indeed it is here right now, you're talking to him, that, that, that the true worshipers will worship in spirit, and 
in truth. That the, the, the true worshipers won't get, 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 get hung up on the idea that there's one place to worship versus another place, but instead the true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. We are going to look beyond the structure of our religion and dig even deeper to the place where you can simply encounter God. And that's where I'm going to talk to you. And that's where I'm going to find you. And that's where I accept you. And so the woman's eyes opened up and she starts talking about something beyond religion. I know Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he'll proclaim all things. And Jesus answers, I just did that. I'm the one who is speaking to you. And with that, the woman drops her bucket and went back to the city proclaiming, Come see a man who told me everything I've done. Can this be the Messiah? Notice that she left her bucket, the thing that she needed and thought that Jesus needed in order to get water from the well that she came to every day of her life. A well that kept her from thirst, kept her clean, kept her in her own place. She dropped the bucket and she ran and we know that she was healed. And we know that she was transformed. And we know that transformation came because Jesus, the Messiah, said to her, I see you. And I am willing to accept you. And Jesus says, the same thing to us today. I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe that if we were honest with ourselves, we would know that we walk around looking for a healing, for a time where somebody will peel open our history and peel open our identity and peel open our religion and see us for who we are beneath our language and our culture, receive the kernel of who we are, believe uh, that we walk around waiting for that moment and hope that in that moment we might be transformed. For some of us, that is acute. For some of us, we know and recognize and understand that Jesus has indeed saved us in a material sense. Uh, and I love, I'll admit it, I love talking to folks who can look and who can literally say, if it was not for God, I would be strung out. If it was not for God, I never would have recovered from addiction. If it was not for God, I would never have recovered from the pain of my childhood. If it wasn't for God, I would never recover from the, the hurt of the rejection that I faced. I love it when I get to talk to people who can say that and proclaim it loudly. Indeed, I love the idea that there are communities all around this country where there are people who can get up and who literally say, 
If it wasn't for God, I would not be here today. And I know that it was that God accepted you. I know that it was that I put my trust in God instead of looking for something somewhere else that allowed me to be here today. I love it. And I love it that victory is filled with those people too. And sometimes for some of us, where we don't recognize the ways in which Jesus has literally materially saved us, it can be more difficult to see. It can be more difficult to see the healing that he has provided. But I want you to know, just like the woman at the well who, who, who seemingly had it all together, but if you look back and you see uh, that there were layers to uncover before she was able to walk in her truth, so God wants to uncover our truth and to allow it to shine forth in this world. God wants us all to be in a place where we can say, I'm going to let go of my bucket. I'm going to let go of the thing that I'm holding on to. I'm going to let go of my 14 years of education and my PhD that allows me to, 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 to navigate this situation well. I'm going to let go of uh, the way that I know how to walk and to socialize and to make jokes that I can handle any situation now. I'm going to let go of my bucket and instead I am going to completely trust in you. I'm going to trust in you, God, because you've answered my questions. Do you know the most dangerous part of being on a deserted island? Is that close? It's the water. It's the water. To survive on the desert island, you actually need to find fresh water. You are on an island literally surrounded by water. But if you embrace that water, you'll never survive. Here's why. Salt water might go down well and feel refreshing at first. But your body can't actually use salt water. It has to take the salt out. <laughs> Doctors, forgive me if I get this wrong, but I believe that's what the kidneys do. And the only way that your kidneys can process the salt water is by drawing in more water. So in fact, drinking salt water requires more fresh water than the amount of salt water you take in. So drinking from the water surrounding your island, drinking that salty water, drinking when you are surrounded by an ocean of water, literally makes us thirstier. We quench our thirst with something that makes us thirstier. In other words, the cure becomes the disease. That's the danger of deserted islands, or even the danger of old wells with good water. That's the danger of not bringing it all to Jesus. That's the danger of not holding on to the living water. Because we can look to the waters that seem simple around us, look to the waters that seem okay and allow us to avoid everybody at our well in the middle of the desert at noon. But it ultimately leaves us thirsty and unfulfilled. 
uh, trading spirits for the spirit, trading happiness for joy, trading intrigue for integrity. And in fact, in the arc of history, we're better off losing what we're holding on to. But I came by to tell you this morning that God has a better way. And just like the woman at the well, he's answered every fundamental question for us to understand who he is and to understand that he does indeed provide living water. And that's why the best answer to our question, a question of estrangement of your pleas, a question of what to bring uh, on a deserted island is, that the island is not deserted. Christ is with me. It might look deserted. It might feel deserted. But if you are plugged in to the source, then it is not a deserted island. For we are not bound by our circumstance. We are not bound by our islands. We are not bound by our wells because we have found someone who, who can deal with all of ourselves, who can deal with our history, who can deal with our present circumstances, who can deal with the fullness of us and says, yes, I see you and I accept you. That's the gospel that's the truth of jesus christ that he loved us so much that he saw exactly who you are and he said yes i'm going to die for you that's the beauty of the gospel that he loves us that he loves us and that he accepts us and that he is calling us right now thank you lord he's calling us right now we don't have to thirst we don't have to hold on to our buckets. He's here to heal us. He's here to transform us in every single moment. He's here to turn you from somebody who walks around not even realizing that you're sweating profusely and hiding and turns you into an evangelist that goes to an entire people, to an entire nation, and says, come see a man, a lady who went and sweat in the middle of the day, I think, so that she didn't have to meet a single person, is accepted by her God, and turns around and tells an entire people to come see this Jew who might be the Messiah that we're looking for. That's the type of God we serve. A God that will turn us around and transform us and make us instruments of his truth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God is so good and indeed God wants to provide you living water despite the walls of hostility, despite the need of reconciliation, God wants us to drink from the eternal fountain so that we can do as individuals, as a community called Victory Church, what God has called us to do in the world, to go share the truth that he loves us and to see the harvest unfold. Let us pray. God, we love you. We thank you. Lord, we love that you've accepted us. And Lord God, we accept that you made a way for us.
we couldn't heal a, a history when we couldn't get beyond the waters of a deserted island, Lord God. You said, I'm going to come here and make a way. Thank you for making a way for us, Lord. And now, with every high eye closed and every head bowed, if in this moment you are hearing, not from me, but if in this moment you are hearing from Jesus, a voice telling you that you are accepted, a voice telling you that all you have to do is say, Lord, I repent of staying away from you, and instead I accept the truth that you love me. If that's you, if you haven't accepted before, and if you want that to be your story, go ahead and slip your hand into the air so that I can see you. If you want that to be your story, that the God of the universe, yes, the God of the universe loves you enough to know you and say, yet you are worth it. And you haven't accepted that before, go ahead and slip your hand into the air. And indeed, if you've already made that commitment, if you already know that God has accepted you, but you've been walking and you're still in a way at the well at noon, if you're still hiding all that God has placed in you, if you're still in a place where you are hiding that and are thus separate, I invite you this right now to however you choose to, to pray to God and to say, I surrender all to you, all of myself, even my understanding. I surrender my bucket to you. Transform me, Lord. Use me, Lord. I accept that you are the center of my joy. God is good and faithful. And we thank you now as we turn to you in prayer, Lord, for how you are moving in our midst and for how your truth reigns and abides. And we thank you, Lord, for the truth that we belong to you, that we belong to God. Thank you, Lord, and amen. And praise God.